Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. What about f***ing Colin? He was he was in the news for a quick minute with the Raiders, and no one's talking about that shit still. Why the f*** not? Why does he not have a f***ing job? Because he's still being white-balled. Why is Tom not speaking out about that? He should be his biggest f***ing ally, and he hasn't said one f***ing thing. A lot of people that have come on this show, I don't know why, they've gotten some good fucking jobs afterwards jim rome in the jungle it's right here in the sports deli baby we got some good ass karma right here let's fucking go <laughs> i love oh, man. it i love it we hope you enjoy today's show everyone all right let's rock and roll as we continue to honor legends badasses queens sheroes pioneers and trailblazers during our 50th anniversary of title nine celebration series we're so honored to welcome on the first day of breast cancer awareness month the pride of Bayonne, New Jersey, Goody, a.k.a. Adrian Goodson, our 32nd professional women's basketball player or coach. Damn, that gave me chills, and I've read that shit like 20 times already before I actually did this live. Man, I love it. The former national champion at Old Dominion University was born one day after Brittany Griner's birthday, some 24 years earlier. And if you invert 24, you get Brittany Griner's number, number 42. The former ABL and WNBA All-Star, played and captained Team USA in 1993, was born the same year as Halle Berry and Janet Jackson. She's always been about giving back and in 2004 was honored with the WNBA's Community Assist Award. She's coached both boys and girls, as have I. She's mentored thousands and she's a motivational speaker. She's in the Old Dominion Hall of Fame, of course. She's a contributing writer at Just Women's Sports. She's the author of the book, Elevate Your Game from Athlete to Corporate World, and she's the host of the podcast, A WNBA State of Mind. You can find her on Twitter, among other places, at A Goody, Goody is with a Y at the end of it, number 15, A Goody 15 underscore WNBA, and on Instagram at A Goody 15. Adrian, I'm glad we worked it out. Um, you know, this is a really important series for me, truly honored and humbled. We could work this out in this collaborative effort between the sports deli and a WNBA state of mind. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited to be on your show. It's just fantastic. And like I said, I appreciate the opportunity to, to come on and sit and talk with you and chop it up, talk about basketball, talk about all things basketball, talk about the community and whatever else we decide we want to kick it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit a, a few minutes ago <laughs> uh, about um, a large brand like Nike. And I want to get to that later, but I, I like to go usually, unless you really are passionate and want to talk about that first, but I like to talk chronologically because I like to give people an idea about how strong black women, especially came to be, uh, especially in our era, uh, such amazing representations when it was hard to do that, um, in society. So you, you grew up on the East coast in the sixties and the seventies. Right. And there was a lot of stuff happening. And so how aware were you of JFK, MLK, Malcolm X, you know, the riots in New Jersey? And, and were you the same person back then? It just hadn't come out yet. Let me, let me tell you something. People don't Wait. understand. My, 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 it's my mother and my father, man. Interracial. Interracial marriage. My stepdad all the way. He's been, my, he's been in my life since I'm five years old, man. Wow. And I'm 55 now. Well, but how, how did people handle that back then? Oh, my God. 
I didn't handle it very well because people were always staring and right, right, right. Wow. You don't worry about anything that's happening on the outside of us. Wow. Because it don't matter as they walking down the block holding hands. Wow. Pissed off at my mother because he had fancy blue eyes. Wow. White woman, everybody, every white woman in Bayonne wanted him. Wow. They chose each other. Man, that's incredible. By fighting me for other reasons, like I can withstand, people don't even understand that I could withstand and I can I can endure a lot because I watched my mom. <laughs> I watched my mom. I watched her, my mom get jilted by my father and I felt her pain before she even, I even came out of the womb. And then I watched it. Damn. And I watched her, a man come into her life and marry her and give her everything that she wanted from a black man and didn't get it. And then I watched her and how she dealt with the slander that came from marrying a white man in 1978. Mm. I got a lot of strength in me, man. Untold, mm. old strength. Mm. That times. Man, man, that was some powerful stuff right there. Go your project, man. If you don't get out of my face, I can say something about you. My dad is white. I know what's in you. I know how you act. I know what you do. <laughs> right. Stop. Right. I could, I could come from an honest place when I speak of of, of of white males. I know my how my dad operates. I know what he does. I know how he ticks. I know the things that we needed to discuss so that he could understand that maybe you shouldn't do that or maybe you shouldn't say that. You understand? So it, it comes from a different place with me, you know? So mm. all that racist stuff and this, that, and the third, don't, don't even come at me with that because I operate differently. You know, I have so many family members that have, you know, that my cousin who just passed, his, his two kids are, 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 are interracial. My, I got two cousins who, no, three, who married white women. Four, my uncle married. So like, it's it, like I, I don't, I, I operate from a different place. I know how all different sides of the fences are. Right. Appreciate being, uh, going overseas. Cause do I get mad at Chinese people? No, I live with you. So I know why you do what you do. Do I get mad at, mad at Spanish people? No, cause I live with right. you. I know what you do and why you do what you do. Do I get mad at Brazilians? No, I live with you. I know what you do and why you do it. And that's called diversity. But if you don't open up yourself, you don't open up your mind and actually walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, then you don't have an opinion about anything. And why are we judging anybody anyway? That's God's purpose. He created all of our minds. So we must be brilliant, right? If that didn't move you, you probably need to keep stepping right now because the rest of the show, it's not going to mean much to you. It's not going to resonate with you. But if that struck a chord with you right here, then we hope you continue to listen and enjoy the rest of today's podcast. Man, that was an incredible segment. It was my grandmother's story that actually inspired me, who was wow. born in 1928 in Culpeper, Virginia, in the foothills of West Virginia. And she, she, she fled that area when she was 14 years old and came up here to Bayonne. 
and that's where she created her family. And she, she went back and she got all three of her brothers and sisters and brought them up here. And I don't even have wow. to go by and, and all of those things. So, you know, the guys was happening before I even, I was even thought about, thought my, my, my family was, 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 was a part of the struggle being, being from the South. And so, you know, my grandmother ran away from the South and, and uh, you know, and always made us go back every single year. And then I ended up going to Old Dominion University because what she hated about Virginia, I, I, I in turn ended up loving, you know, about, mm. the, you know, but I went down there during a time where things were totally different. And I'm not saying that we've completely overcome, but it definitely wasn't 1928. And so, you know, um, just being from this area, you know, so diverse. And I got the opportunity at a young age to be able to, uh, to, to mingle with all different types of people. Bayonne is a melting pot. You have black, you have white, you have Italian, you got Polish, you got Russian, you got Puerto Rican, you got Dominican, you got Cuban, you got, you, you have Egyptians, you have, you know, so it's just, it's just basically, mm. you know, uh, uh, um, starting to, you know, to migrate to this area as well. And so before all of that happened, I mean, when I would go, and over to my friend's house, most of their most of their families were not speaking English in the home. Wow, you went first generation, to, yeah. To my Puerto Rican friend's house, they weren't their their parents and their grand grandparents were speaking Spanish. You know, mm. when I went over to my my Italian friend's house, their parents and their grandparents were speaking Italian. Okay, and then you know I had a lot of Jewish friends, and then there was Hebrew, and then you know the Egyptian. So then. Wow. There's, there's all kinds of different languages. So I already knew how to mingle with other people, you know, before I even left Bayonne. So I, I love the fact that, you know, I was born in an area that, you know, really promoted uh, diversity, you know, little, little China, little right. Italy, you know, uh, going over and just, you know, living across from Staten Island, I can actually walk, walk on the Bayonne Bridge over to Staten Island and be in New York. So um, the only thing that separates us from being New York is is the Bay. Right. Man, that's amazing. Do uh, you stay in touch with them, all of them? Well, the ones that are still, hopefully they're all around. You're real close friends growing up. Like, do you, you guys gather back together and talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with my, with, with Old Dominion University. I wouldn't say that in Bayonne, but right. uh, Old Dominion University, uh, we, we, unfortunately, we lost Medina Dixon. Uh, yeah. National pancreatic cancer. I was going to wear her, wear her, uh, her, her shirt today, her sweatshirt today, but it was so hot. I just like I'm, I'm just going to throw it up like a gang sign. Right. But you know, we, we, that was tough for us, and you know, we, we all got together. We, we zoomed for the last two years. I actually missed the girls. We zoomed for the last two years to, to be a part of her life and you know help her transition into to the next journey, which is all, which is where all of us are going to eventually end up. And she was mm-hmm. such a great leader on the basketball court, um, and the way she led us into heaven was even 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 more incredible. Just fearless and mm-hmm. and just always smiling and constantly just keeping us up because she knew how how tough it was on us. Yeah. Yeah, rest in peace. Yes. Oh man. I, so- I, I got seriously that she's resting. <laughs> you know, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. So right. uh, you know, she she's not that type of person. Like I like yeah. you know, R.I.P. I, I don't believe in that R boy, I promise you, because uh 
I don't think it's just that you just stop. You know, we're energy. We're energy, and we cannot be destroyed. Right. Absolutely. I love that. So before you met her and, and all your teammates and your amazing coaches, like, did you play with boys? You know, how did you, did you play all sports? And then you just, you know, fell in love with basketball. Like, I'm always curious about that part of it because we've had a lot of people come on the show that have had horrible high school experiences. Yeah. And look, let's be honest in that time frame, you know, as a black woman, you know, it, women in general, it wasn't encouraged to play sports. Title nine was sort of right around the corner, you know, and it just started. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I had, it's funny that you mentioned that women were encouraged to play, play sports because I used to get, I used to get tormented on the block, you know, tomboy, from tomboy to Tommy to, you know, you're not going to, you know, there's nothing for you. I even had a seventh, my, my, my principal at, uh, at, at Robinson, Dr. Walter F. Robinson, number 31 up there on 31st Street, uh, number three, excuse me. Uh, he told my mom, pulled my mother to the side and asked her why is she let me play basketball because there's nothing, there's not going to be anything for me. And the day that uh, me walking up the block uh, when I was playing, uh, when I when I was already grown and I'm playing overseas and we're walking towards him and he sang my praises, knowing what he had told my mother back then and mm -hmm. me and my mom walked away, me, we just looked at each other and started laughing. It was like, wow, eat your words, but I can promise you <laughs> play with I did not play with girls. Um, right. it, I was just too good, and and I, I couldn't. I couldn't even even in elementary school. They got mad at me. The coaches got mad at me because I wouldn't play on an elementary school because it was. Just, I was just so beyond that level. But my first love was swimming. I thought that. Wow. I was, yeah, I could. I, I sometimes I often think about what that would have looked like because I. You know, to this day, I can chop it up in the water, but that was my first love. And, you know, of course, we ran track. I played softball. Uh, but it was when I put the basketball in my hand that I, that I knew that this was going to be something that was going to carry me. It was a part of it. It was like my, like as soon as I touched it, I felt it in my soul in a way that I never felt with any other sport, even to uh, making a pop on a football team. My mother, my mom forbid me. She was like, no. And I was like, oh, I said, get, get ready to get your boobs. Are you <laughs> So, you know, it was, it was over for the football, the whole football thing, because they had no equipment for, for women whatsoever, but I did make right. a pack. And, uh, you know, uh, that, that was it for me. But the basketball, I, I knew that when I touched it, it was a soul, it was a soul's mission. And it just took me everywhere. It, wow. And no, I didn't play with the girls. If I had to play with the girls, then I probably wouldn't have been as good as I was. Right. And, you know, I was, there's a famous writer, uh, God bless his soul, uh, who wrote, his, his name is The Fa here in, uh, in New Jersey, and he wrote for St. Anthony's, he's real big on mm. the herd, and, you know, he put me on the all-boys county team, wow. I mean, yeah, all-county boys team, you could look that up, and so, uh, which is absolutely amazing to me, I never really talk about it a lot, but, wow. you know, my game was up, my game was up. And, and Hudson County is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a great area to come out during my time, for basketball, you know, with us and St. Anthony's and, you know, all of the schools, the powerhouses, Holy Family from back in the day, right. uh, Catholic, those, those, those areas, you know, with Ann Donovan, she, she was before me, but, you know, there's <laughs> Carol Blazjowski, all these people, Sharon Ross, uh, uh, just that, that, that paved the way for Right. Me. Yeah. That's, uh, that's incredible just to sort of hear, you know, your evolution and, and, uh, you know, you obviously were born with an inner resiliency because there's a lot of people that have a passion 
and it's either not encouraged or they're not strong enough to say, well, F the world, I'm going to play because I love it. And they go in a different direction and, you know, whatever, they have a regret later that they didn't follow through, but you certainly have both, not only a passion for something, but an inner resiliency that probably came from your grandmother and, and others. Oh. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. God bless my aunt Roz. Lost her in a pandemic two years ago. Oh my God. Uncle Skip taught me how to play basketball, sitting around on the basketball court on 20th Street, watching Elaine Carroll play against the guys and tear them up. And so she was my motivation. Mm. Um, just the, the list goes on and on of people that I was inspired by. And it wasn't that I was envious. It was mm. like, how can I take a piece of each person? Right. And there's a lot of, lot of female role models out there to watch. Right. Okay? I had to watch the guys. You know, I'm, 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 I'm watching players like Dr. Dr. Dre because he was right for Philadelphia. He also played for the Nets. Then I, I was also watching Adrian Dantley. Um, Man. Who was a fantastic player, you know, of course, to Michael Jordan, to, you know, and the list goes on and on to Charles Barkley's, to, to my mentor, Moses Malone, uh, God bless his soul as well. We lost a lot of powerful people yeah. that I watched play that were fantastic, you know, all going all the way back to St. John's and Chris Mullen busting it up over there at St. John's. So, like, we had a lot of Earl of Pearl, yeah. like, just it's just the area, the mecca of basketball is right here, you know, in the tri-state area, New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut, and that, you know, and, and in those areas, you can find a lot of top, a lot of top schools. Man, that's incredible. And, and who else was recruiting you besides ODU? Did you consider anyone else? Who wasn't? I'm <laughs> not even bragging, you know, um, you know, I'm humble like that, but like there was so my mom showed me the box recently and like just 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 thousands upon thousands of schools you know, all the way to like an Appalachian state like just like from the top to the bottom you know um schools that I you know you just typically think you would be interested in I wasn't you know I wasn't I knew I wasn't going to go to Tennessee the, the the day that the day uh that my mom punished me when I was 12 years old short story I don't even remember what I was doing, okay? She punishes me and I'm just like, mom, you gotta let me out, let me outside. She's like, no, it's raining outside. As a matter of fact, go in there and watch the basketball game, women's basketball game. I was like, what? I'm 12 years old. I'm like, mom, there's no women's basketball. Yes, there is. Go in there and look on TV. Thank God she punished me because I go in there and I'm watching Old Dominion University against Tennessee. And it's wow. Donovan Ingness and Nancy Lieberman, okay, Angela Cotman, and that whole crew against all the only person I remember from, from Tennessee was Big O. Okay. And she was she was the big name, big household name back then. All the minion wins. I come in the kitchen, I sit down at the table, I said, Ma, I'm going to Old Dominion University. She looked at me, Adrian, get out. <laughs> Seven years later, I'm fine, not even that. I was 16, 16, four years later. I'm signing the letter of intent to go to wow. Old Dominion University. I like Old Dominion. I liked USC. Mm. Notre Dame, believe it or not, was wow. high on high on my list of priorities. But I, I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't go there because I felt like they were telling me what classes I needed to take and where what direction I was supposed to go in. Mm. And I thought so that 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 was a wrap. Iowa, okay, um, and uh, that's when. Uh, 
that's when Vivian Stringer just went out there. She had left Cheney State and went out there to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said USC. Um, yeah. South Carolina was big on me. Georgia was big on me. Um, I pissed off uh, Teresa Grants. I didn't go to Rutgers. I pissed off. <laughs> wow. You know, I Understandable. Pissed off. I didn't even give her an interview. Who was um, that? Pat Head. I didn't oh, even yeah. Give- so it was, you know, I, I just had my choice of the school that I wanted to go to. There was a lot of them. My mom made me break it down. I, she said, listen, all of these schools, you're going to go from 100 to 50 to, to, to 25 to 10 to 5 to your top four, and then we go. So I had mm-hmm. to do that. So, there was a, so that made it an easy process of elimination because a lot of stuff like went to the wayside. I thought I was throwing it in the garbage. My mom was collecting it so that I can now appreciate it at this day and age, um, all, of the, all of the schools that were actually there. And I'm going to sit down with that box and, and, and look at it and, and put, you know, maybe even send a thank you note to all those schools for even recognizing me. But I promise you, uh, it, was a, it was a long journey, um, but my family was always there. My family was always, they was the strongest portion of me, you know, driving me, my driving force, you know, and I was leading the way to go to college. And, you know, just, you know my family is very small as far as the Goodsons were concerned that were in Bayonne, but we're many in other places. And so, you know, my nucleus was very tight, you know, my, with my grandmother and my, and my, and my, and my mom and, and then her kids, they, they just, mm. they kept tight and they protected me and uh, they protected my ideas and my dreams and my aspirations. And that's why I went far. Oh man. I love stories like that. I mean, you know, and you don't hear about that many and, you know, we had Sylvia Crawley on and she won a national championship, obviously at North Carolina. So talk about, you know, when you got on campus, you know, did you have this goal, like, and get with your teammates, like, look, we're about to, we're about to do this thing, you know, or did it slowly develop? And you're like, you know, we actually may have some pieces to, to do this thing. Like, what was that national championship run like? Like, I can't, <laughs> like, I can't even imagine. Yeah, that was, it was a crazy run. But first of all, first and foremost, it didn't start when I got on campus. Okay. Wendy Larry came to my house. Coach, that Coach Stanley came to my house and mm. told me that I was the missing link to a national championship. So wow. that started the whole, you know, how, how it was supposed to play out because, you know, your words define you. Mm. You know, God said and God said and God said and then there it was. So anything that you speak <laughs> becomes you. That's why you have to be careful what you speak over your life. And so before I even got in the, it, it got on the plane to go to Norfolk, Virginia, the stage wow. was, and so when I get there, you know, I meet my teammates, and we start practicing, and you know, we we had we were good, we were good. First of all, we had our leaders were Medina Dixon and Tracy Claxton. You know, for anybody that's out there watching, you're listening to a WNBA state of mind in collaboration with Sports Deli. Go do your homework on those two people. They were the top. Tracy Claxton had the rebounding record for a very, very long time in the NCAA. I don't know who broke it. It might have been Yolanda Griffith, and then after that, it happened. It went down. But she had 19 boards, and you know, uh, so it, it, you know, I had these great players. But it didn't start off like like it was great. We were rocky, you know. We mm. had right. That's why I asked. Yeah. Personalities: New Jersey, Boston, New Haven, Chicago, D.C. Okay, clashing of the minds. You got the top city, hardest cities that I just named out. Okay, and those minds weren't meeting at first Mm -hmm. to a point where Marianne Stanley was smart enough to go out and get a therapist 
named Lynn Siegel. Wow. From the Hope House Foundation in Norfolk. I'll give them a shout out. She came and she did ropes and initiative with us, all kinds of trust games with us. Wow. Personality games with us so that we can learn each other's personality, just filling out the filling out the little circles. And then we all coming back and saying, okay, this is who I am. I'm a I'm an extrovert introvert, or I'm an introvert extrovert, or you know, I'm just a loner, period. I'm quiet. So don't misinterpret my quietness. Don't think wow. that I'm because I'm quiet. That's my presentation. That's how I am. But if you don't do your homework and you don't get right. to the essence of that, our two captains were arguing. They hated each other. Once Lynn brought us together, we were great. We were so great that we won a national championship with nine, with eight physical bodies. Eight physical bodies. Okay. One girl left, had the Lynn, Lynn, Liz, Liz Conahan could not play. Because she had, she was having kidney failure. She had to have a had to have a kidney removed. Okay. Then we had two, three players leave that year. We were practicing with a guy named Frank from upstairs in sports information coming down and practicing with us every day. Unbelievable. We had two. We had two. A couple of players that were that that graduated already. Angela Cotton came back and would practice with us, so we could have ten physical bodies to practice. So we were getting it in. It was a rocky road in the beginning, but she had us, we bought so much into her philosophy that we couldn't fail. We played a defense called junk and won the national championship. And I didn't find out until later that it was a nappy triangle or two. <laughs> right. But we bought into it. We were scrappy. We were scrambling. Right. Female, a six foot three female with a wingspan, which made her probably be about six, eight. Medina Dixon at the top of our one three one. I'm in the back. I'm a freshman. I'm doing what I'm told. Mm, right. You know. So we were a fantastic team. <laughs> when I went in to the school, I didn't start, but I say three games into the season, four games, <laughs> <laughs> I was as a freshman. So that speaks for itself. Yes, it does. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Marianne. Uh, Stanley until recently you know she was you know coaching in the WNBA what was her I mean you just talked about I mean I find that amazing in the 80s that somebody was doing a personality test (laughs) and bringing a therapist in I mean because back then you know I mean even if you talk to people like Val Whiting who I mentioned earlier who went to Stanford you know even Tara you know a lot of these old school coaches and I'm sure others you know rest in peace Pat Summit you know even Gino I'm sure they did things in a way that was, you know, shut up and dribble, just do as I say, you know, get over it, move, you know, no excuses. And she was a little bit more thoughtful in that way. And uh, not only were you the missing piece to the puzzle, uh, but she, you know, sort of inserted a lot of missing pieces to the puzzle by getting people to turn what may be perceived as weaknesses into strengths. And I find that fascinating. And and do you do you do that with your teams now? Like, do you incorporate, you know, what may be perceived as, you know, a weakness as, hey, you have more things in common than you think. Let's come together, you know, and prove everybody wrong. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest thing is to get the kids to buy into your philosophy. Amazing. The second thing is, yes, you have to talk. You have to communicate, not just on the court, but off the court. The things that you do together, we go out, you know, we have pizza, 
come over to the house, everybody sit and watch a movie, laugh and talk, talk about deepest, darkest things, no hold bar, no holds barred. Let's talk about the pandemic and what happened. What happened to you? What happened to maybe some of your family members? What happened to some of your friends? With these kids out here nowadays, suicide is an option. It's a viable option. So I try to stay on top of the kids, you know? And even, even to the men on the professional side, women on the professional side, give me an opportunity every single year to do the top 100 camp for, you know, with the MBPA and, and ushering these guys into the pros. Mm -hmm. seeing me fit to come in every single year and influence and mentor some of these kids and to get the opportunity to be around them. This year, they, they incorporated that type of program into uh, the camp mm. where we break out sessions and allow the, allow the boys to just sit and we talked and we chopped it up and we talked about wow. everything that happened the last two years. And after we did that, they started to understand a little, wow, man, I didn't know that happened to you. Right. This was going on. I didn't know you thought that way. I misinterpreted you the whole time. And then once you have those breakout sessions and you give people the opportunity to peel off some of that, peel off some of the mess, peel off life, you know, it just opens it up. And then you'll see how they will start to become better within themselves and also together. Now all of a sudden, they're sharing the ball more because I care about you. There's a difference between a team that cares about each other and a team that's just over here trying to get personal accolades. Oh man, if that last part didn't resonate with me more than anything that you've said so far, because I talk about that all the time when I, as a professional basketball skills trainer, I'm not just teaching counter moves, I'm teaching them how to look at somebody and with your eyes, you better be looking at them and speaking to them as if you love them and care about them more than you love yourself, because otherwise they will feel it in the same way that they will know that you truly care about the greater good and you care about them. And so there's a lot of nuance that, you know, maybe a lot of people that are first starting out or young coaches, they don't understand some of these nuances. And you have to teach these kids to care and love, yes, about themselves but they got to care about their teammates, at least when they're out on the floor and the greater good. Otherwise, you will not, like you said, get the best versions of themselves. And then collectively, you will not get the best version of the team. There's just no way. I, I'm sorry. Chemistry, chemistry matters. And that's how you get over the hump sometimes, like with what happened to you at ODU. You weren't just the missing piece, but coach did something, several things that allowed the team to come together to, you know, show that the sum of the parts are greater than the parts themselves. Man, that is freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Marianne Stanley is a brilliant mind. Mm. Uh, very misinterpreted, but uh, she's a brilliant mind, a, a masterful coach. But wow. she's not coaches that you could put in a box. You've got to allow to pick, a, pick her team. you got to allow for her to use her tactics, okay? I met my godmother the other day, Kathy Rush, and I said to her, I said, listen, I never understood Coach Stanley's tactics until I watched, I, I watched the movie, mm. okay? I never understood the tactics. And then once I, I watched the movie that they made about Kathy Rush, about Immaculata, Teresa Branch, and mm. all those other players, and the things that she did to make them mentally tough, and I understood more. And that was, I think that was the first movie I actually cried 
Wow. That's interesting. Why? What, what part of it resonated with you? Just the sorority of sisters, the camaraderie, like what spoke to you? Like, you, did it remind you of your family? Like all the tactics that she used, it reminded me of Old Dominion. It was all of the tactics mm. used. Wow. To get the best out of them, you know, mm. practicing without balls, doing defensive slides in a, in a tunnel under the water, under the, like, it's just weird. Like, and I used to call my mom and be like, Ma, she made us, we were practicing without basketball. Like, I don't get this woman, you know? So then my free throws were up because I'm sitting there and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing my, my, my whole ritual. Boom, put my head down, take my three dribbles, spin the ball, you know, do whatever ritual it was I was doing, mm -hmm. all the way up, boom. And I'm doing that a hundred times without a basketball, okay? I'm dribbling, we're doing basketball drills without the ball up and down the court. Or not dribbling, no dribbling, no dribbling drills. She was always about your imagination. Use your imagination, you have to see it. Right. And so when I watched, you know, Kathy Rush doing the same thing with her, then I knew I was a part of a bigger plan than I could ever imagine. So how did you leverage that? Uh, obviously, phenomenal player, but um, did you bring people together once you got to the ABL and the WNBA uh, and see your leadership style change from when you were a freshman at ODU to now playing professionally? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times, you know, my, my play brought leadership. Mm -hmm. I didn't want people to, to come to me or be around me because of the skills that I had. Want them to be around me because I was a good person because mm -hmm. I showed them good things. I, I, you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't that type of teammate that would that that it would sit well with me if my teammates were being mistreated, you know. And I'm getting everything because I'm scoring twenty, and then they're not getting anything. I, I was fighting for them too. So mm -hmm. uh, ABL, we didn't have, we didn't have a player committee, but in the WNBA, right. did. And I ended up being the on uh, the the the, the um, on the player committee uh, because one of my teammates got traded from Utah, and she was uh, she was she was on the player committee. So they needed another person. Mm. So Pamela Willow was like, "Goody, you're always so active and stuff. This would be great for you." Mm. So that's what I did. Anytime wow. things came from the league, I passed it out. You know, sat down and talked with the girls. If something needed to be filled out, I collected it all, sent it back to the league, different things like that um, to, to, to make sure that we were getting the things that we needed, you know, on the players association side. And so then I was on, then I, I, I got elected to be on the player committee, which is you get elected. Right. So, you know, the thing that I take pride in is when people elect you into positions. So you don't just get elected there because you're an idiot. You know, you don't get right. elected because you're not a good person um, or you don't get elected there because you don't have wisdom or people don't trust you. So I wore that crown, you know, mm -hmm. the, the 2002 collective bargaining agreement was established. Right. We fought for so many different things. You know, we were only getting 50% of our money, maternity leave, okay? Right. There's no, like the, the pay for the veterans was minimal. We raised the bar for that. You know, got the got it to, to 60K, you know, um, and then 
you started to see vet, vets disappear because teams cho- chose the option of bringing in, you know, younger players and, you know, not taking right. up salary cap. And so, you know, it's kind of like a, a gift and a curse. Right. And, uh, we fought for a lot of different things. That year, we almost had a lockdown because we, we couldn't sign off on, you know, all of the things that, you know, we, we, right. we wanted. We were fighting mm. for every single thing that yep. they still now. And, um, you know, I really, really honestly and truly believe that the former, the, the, the current players really have to start uh, putting in the collective bargaining things for former players because eventually you're going to be one. So right now you're wallowing around, you're making your money, but when it stops, it stops abruptly. And you're going to understand what I'm talking about when you become a former player. So I think that um, there's still a lot of things that need to change. Like I, I won the community assist award two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was very important to me outside of the, the, the all-star, the, the all-star and, and outside of the player of the weeks that I got and outside mm-hmm. of all the accolades that I got, you know, being in that league, top, top, top 10 in scoring my first three years in the league. It wasn't mm-hmm. even an all-star. It wasn't even an all-star uh, team. Right. Then. So like, Winning the community assist award was so important because I love to get out there in the community and help. Right. How can I help somebody become a better person? How can I help them in their career? How can I help them get out of a situation that they may be in? You know, be a bridge to a gap. And so, you know, when you win the community assist award, mm-hmm. you went out and you did over a hundred appearances. So in San Antonio, I did over a hundred appearances when I was wow. in over a hundred appearances. So the groundwork that I laid, you know, for that league in Salt Lake City, you know, in San Antonio was absolutely fantastic. And you want to see some of that come back. So you didn't get paid for any of those appearances? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. oh okay. You do a, you do a off season, uh, you do an off season contract with the team. Okay. Got you. Once you do an off season contract with the team. All right. Then you you go and you you do these appearances. Okay. So that's what I did in Utah. That's what I did in San Antonio. The mm-hmm. thing about Utah is I didn't stay in Utah. I I came back to the East Coast. I went back to Virginia, and then I did all of my appearances from there. You know, not limited to flying up to Nova Scotia and doing stuff. I did so many different things. I got it's absolutely fantastic. I look at the the book that I have of, you know, they would send me, um, they would give me a sheet of paper with the, with what I was going to be doing, the location, all of that, right? Wow. In a book. And mm. so I had all, all the elementary schools that I went to, San Antonio. So there was a lot of reach back into the community, mm. just helping these kids along because a lot of these kids wouldn't see me or anybody else from the WNBA had it not been for those cities putting a team there. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, representation, you know, there's a whole lot of layers to that. And, you know, obviously your time in the W was groundbreaking and amazing. And I'm sure you keep in touch with a lot of, you know, your sorority of sisters, but I'm curious about the collective bargaining because there's been a lot of pushback, even though things are better. And you talked about maybe back ending some of these contracts or, you know, your retirement, um, you know, making sure that you're taken care of, you know, forever, just like the men are in the, in the NBA. Uh, but what things in the next collective bargaining agreement, I think it's due in 27, 
Uh, obviously charter flights is one of the big ones that to me is literally absurd, especially when there's some owners that have said currently, even though it's not in the contract, they will pay and fit the bill for charter flights that, you know, Kathy has said the WNBA um, commissioner that she will throw, literally throw a team out of the league if they fund charter flights when they're not funded across the board, you know, things like that. And, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. But what other things besides charter flights do you think, obviously, salary increases so people have more options to stay home, be with their families, and not have to go overseas? And then we'll sort of transition into what's you know been happening overseas with, with Brittany in particular. But what, what are your thoughts on what should be the top three bullet items, having knowledge specifically to this type of you know renegotiations in the next collective bargaining agreement? Absolutely. I, I think that... There, first and foremost, there needs to be transition programs. You know, you see all these different programs in the NBA. You got the rookie, you got the rookie transition program, and then you got programs that help transition them out of being a professional and into a career. Okay, and there's a there's a career possibly waiting for you in the WNBA, or there's a career waiting for you with a sponsor. Mm, interesting. They used to do internships, and after Pamela Wheeler left. All of that stuff went to the wayside. A lot of wow. things Pamela Wheeler had on the table went to the wayside because those players that were in the player on the player committee weren't really affiliated or associated with her. And she needs to be mm-hmm. somebody that, uh, that is still um, in the forefront with, uh, with helping the players um, and helping the player committee. Um, it, it's just imperative because it's just it's too much for a player to, to stop and your salary stops abruptly. You don't have a 401k. Um, it's just it's just hard to survive after that. So it's like you, 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 you're when you're playing, you're a part of the players association. And then when you leave, you become a part of the retired players association. And there's really not a whole lot of communication to bridge that gap. Something has got. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I honestly and truly believe that you know, um, they're, they're, they're just, you know, they can't, you can't, you can't discuss salary increase without increasing the salary cap. And the rosters. Yeah. You, you can't have that conversation without speaking directly to the salary cap. The salary cap is too low. A million dollars and something change is not enough to pay 10, 12 players. It's just not. You know, there should be a 15-man roster. That's the next. Yep, great point. Um, and I think that the salary cap should be a whole lot higher. You know, and if we had $76 million donated to the league through a group of investors, where is that money? What is, what's, what's, what's it speaking to? Because I haven't seen it. As a former player, I haven't seen anything. As a right. current player, they haven't seen anything. But see... With these players nowadays, you give them something and they're hush hush. Like, oh, we'll give you this. We'll give you more of this. Oh, let's 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 have a social media page that shows how you dress. Oh, uh, you could become a potential model. You know, you're coming in. You know, and they're giving you a little extra attention, a little perk or whatever. Uh, at the end of the season, you get some beats, or you know, in the middle of the season, you get a you get an iPhone from Verizon. Whatever the case may be, they perk them up. You know, but that's just, it's certainly not enough. It need, there needs to be more than just that. So it, it's, it's a collective problem. 
Okay, we got the league over here, and then you got you got the group of players on the player committee that really don't seem to be fighting for a lot, you know, the way that we did back in the day, you know. And I can't sit and say, oh, uh, we're different than they are. No, it's the same thing. It's a different. It's just a different time period because you're still experiencing the same thing. So how are we different? You know, it's not even really that much better. And so, um, interesting. And the ones who have voices are pushed to the wayside. So there you see me. Well, I hope you talk to Sue uh, and Diana and, you know, there are strength in numbers. There's no way that you can tell me that if, if you don't, there's no way. Like getting Kelly out of Atlanta, uh, changing the election in Georgia, there's no way if there's not more pushback uh, that they're not going to make some of these changes and raise awareness in these areas that, you know, clearly need to be uh, adjusted in the next collective bargaining agreement. So let me ask you a question. I had a conversation with Adnisha Curry. Uh, this is, I don't know, a few months ago. And, you know, we, we got to talking when she was still at Maine. So she spent 25 minutes with me on this conversation back and forth on DM on Instagram. And at one point, because I, I'm not really about getting guests just for the sake of guests. It's about mobilizing, being an ally. Um, I don't make any money on the show. I've said this a lot of times, maybe down the road I will, but I, I do it for the purpose of creating a safe space for people to ed be educated and, um, you know, maybe see things differently from a white perspective and from a female, you know, perspective, a black perspective and a brown perspective. And so at one point she said, I'm tired. And I literally like started crying. This is through a, this is through a DM. Because my experience has brought me to a point where I understood exactly what she was talking about. And she basically was just, and she's obviously in a great place now with the Portland Trailblazers, but she was basically saying as a black woman, she said, you know, she was exhausted, you know, not because life wasn't good or, but it's just, it's, it's tiring. Like what black and brown people have to deal with and people, white people still do not understand, even though life is better it's it's been exhausting it's currently exhausting and it's going to continue to be exhausting because it's there's different narratives different laws and the spaces are different for people of color and so i just told her and she had 100 messages she hadn't responded to and she was talking to me for 25 minutes she doesn't even know me and so there was just maybe something about the way that i came across I don't know what it was, but she was spending time with me when she had way more important things to be doing. And so it just taught me a lesson. And, and I stopped in my tracks when she shared that with me. So how, from that perspective, obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're a, a pioneer, you're a trailblazer. You know, you have that inner resiliency we talked about earlier. You literally are a badass and you don't give a single fuck about anything except uh, being on the right side of history and being a voice. Share with everyone who may not understand what it's like now uh, being a black woman in America and what things you are still concerned about and where you'd like to see uh, improve, you know, for America and especially people of color. Ooh, wow, I'll tell you what, I don't know if I'll be able to get through that whole, saying that whole thing without yeah. getting tears, I, I promise you. Um, Tired is an understatement. And I just had this conversation with uh, one of my mentors. Tired, man. 
I'm tired. The glass ceiling is real. All right. The glass ceiling in the WNBA, the glass ceiling in the NBA, the glass ceiling in the G League. And I'm not just talking about the men, I'm talking about women. There's wickedness in high places, and people will hold you back over stuff from the past. People will hold you back because you had because you gave them 20 and 12. People will hold you back because you because they're, 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 your spirit aggravates their demons. People will hold you back because they can see your blessings before you can. I was in so many programs, so many programs I've, I've gone through. And I, I, I'm so appreciative of the NBA because they embrace me more than the WNBA does, which is bad. The NBA assistant coaches program, they begot nothing. And you know why? Because it's disconnected. It's disconnected from the actual GM, the actual decision makers over there in the NBA. Are they really looking at us? For me to come through that program and only one person get a job, and D Derek Anderson just got a position with the MVPA because he's absolutely fantastic and he needs to be coaches, period. Great player, yeah. Follow his lead. I can't tell you countless times we coach together and we just tear people up. <laughs> tear people up, literally, okay? Top 100 camp for boys. Came through that program, love Purvis Short. Always giving mm -hmm. me the opportunity to be seen always giving me the opportunity to, to be with those boys for a whole entire week so people can so people can see what my skills are, what my skill set is, get to see my personality, all right? You got nothing, okay? ESPN, TV program, you got nothing, okay? There's something that's out there that's being said, that's being done to keep me where I'm at. I'm a praying woman. So I know that I would not be walking through these doors if God wasn't guiding me. But what happens in between there is beyond me. Because I know what my skill set is. I'll take the team and win a championship on every level because I know how I get people to respond to me as a coach. I've been around the best. I've come from the best. Marianne Stanley taught me well. I'm nothing but a champion. I won a championship at Oldham University, won five national championships in Brazil, three-time All-Star, a lot of stuff to go on and on, very, very humble, you know? My mom taught me well. And so I don't understand, and it's tiresome to go through program after program after program. I could go into a room full of NBA players, and I promise you, half of them will come up to me. Goody, what's up? Goody, how you doing? Reputation precedes me. But what is it? Is it the blackness? I agree with that. Is it the fact that when I walk in the room, I command a lot of attention? I believe so. Do they want people who are not opinionated? I believe so. But you can't tell me out of all of those teams on the NBA and all of the teams in the WNBA, there's not a spot for me. You can't tell me that. I'm a non-believer and I'm gonna keep plugging because there's gonna be somebody that's gonna let me in. And I promise you when I do, I am not gonna let nobody down because it's in me. 
Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that. And, you know, um, I guess I'm sorry on the one hand, but I'm also of the belief that, um, you know, as doors close, others open, even if it takes a little bit longer, unfortunately, because it shouldn't have taken this long. And I remember talking to Crystal Robinson, who I know you know well. And when, you know, Vicky got that job and she was just let go, which surprised me. I, di- I don't understand that move at all. But when Vicky got that j- right, and if people that are just listening, uh, Goody just took her glasses off. Uh, so Vicky Johnson just got r- let go in Dallas. No, I don't understand that one. No one's talking about it, really. But the point was that, that Crystal was like, I love Vicky but I'm not being her subordinate right now because I feel like I should be the person in that position. And so you have to stick to your guns, right. And, and not compromise at, at this day and age and settle. And, you know, hopefully so your goal, your hope is to, to be on a WNBA or NBA roster as an assistant or head coach. That's, that's your, that's where you want to be. Video coordinator, working out the team. Okay. I work out a team. It's a problem. We're winning, period. I believe in staying in shape. I believe in staying three and four, three and four steps ahead of the competition. I know how to do that. I know how to bring people together. So to me, it's not about the position. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of head coaches in there. There's plenty of assistant coaches in there, but there's also other positions, team management. I did team management with the with the, with the Players Association for the top 100 camp. Normally, I coach. This year, they gave me the opportunity to be a team manager, to, help, to manage the whole team, to manage all of the kids, mm-hmm. make sure they, they where they're supposed to be, make sure they have the breakout session, make sure that they're mentally prepared, make sure that everything is good. Director of basketball operations. That was the last program I was supposed to go into. I was one step away from meeting with Kiki Vandewell. And then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. I got a call, a phone call from someone who just got hired in a really high position. And it was it, it, like just sending me in all different other directions. So like I said, there's, there's wickedness in high places. And sometimes you could be talking to somebody and telling them your greatest dreams and aspirations, right? And they're over there poking small holes in the book. I've, I've gone through that. And that's why I say I'm tired, you know, because we can't preach sisterhood and then do that to each other. We can't teach brother. We can't preach brotherhood and do that to each other. It's, it's just, it's, it's maddening. It's maddening. And it's got to stop because when you throw dirt on my name, you throw dirt on my mother and you throw dirt on my grandmother and you don't throw dirt on my ancestor, when you lie, and when you say things that are untrue to keep me back. But it's not the person that's saying those things. It's the ones that are believing it that concern. Right. right. Well, <clears throat> part of it, like I said earlier, uh, the purpose of this show that we're collabing on today in particular is to be an ally. Yeah. And so when things are misunderstood, um, people should really get to know the person for who they actually are. Like oh, you said, I, instead of taking someone else's word for it, especially yeah. someone like you with legendary status like this. So I'm sorry that it's taken this long, but I, I have a I have a sneaky suspicion that it's going to happen. Um, you keep keep plugging and keep uh, building allies and, um, you know, 
I don't know who's calling on your behalf, but that obviously matters. Sometimes it doesn't matter, but it, it you know, uh, keep, you know, being yourself, your authentic self. And I think it's, it's definitely going to happen. You can't put your finger on it. And I'm not even out here trying to chase it anymore. I'm too old to be yeah. out here find out who's saying this and who's saying that and why yeah. and different things like that. God will sort that out. I actually am getting the opportunity to see a lot of those things, a lot of those people, even my show with WNBA State of Mind came under attack. And so, you know, eventually that will come out in the wash and I don't have to say nothing. So, right. you know, people trip over their, trip, trip over themselves all of the time. So, you know, getting onto a positive, you know, you're listening to a WNBA state of mind in collaboration with my guy over here, Sports Deli. And I appreciate you having me on, you know, um, it's not just me that's in the struggle. There's a lot of other players, you know, and I'm right. an those people I give people people come on my show to be a voice to talk about it and our generation has been trained to just shut up and play okay LeBron said no I'm not going to shut up and play right is still in the WNBA shut up and play be treated however we treat you and play because we'll replace you you know and that is slave trade absolutely well and it's because of people like you your mom your grandmother and, you know, pioneers uh, and sheroes and trailblazers, you know, like Sue Gunner. I mean, there's a lot of amazing women uh, in college basketball, you know, from the Pat Summits to Vivian Stringer, you know, to, to there's just so many. Uh, we can't name them all. But, um, you know, we are I think we are going in the right direction. We just need to, you know, not get complacent. But uh, let me ask you a few rapid fire questions, because, you know, this is the fun part after talking about so many. We all win, baby. That's right. Right. Yeah. Nike, you need to, you need to do better, man. I know you're doing some things for women right now, but man, you're not what you did to one player that I mentioned earlier and, and to Goody, it's, it's just not right, man. Uh, so go, you want to say something about that? No, I'm just saying until we all win, you know, like that's what I came in on. Right. And, you know, it was so not that it's so not that. And I'm happy for, my teammates and some people that of course community um however you oh i'm not even gonna go there i'm not even gonna go there i'll let the, i'll let god take care of that which airport do you prefer newark or jfk <laughs> neither <laughs> come on i i don't like going through either one of them <laughs> that took newark, me a minute oh my god stop it please oh lord have mercy that was That's hilarious crazy you know they they just really straight me to and then you can't <laughs> go to philadelphia either i mean come my on. god <laughs> damn we could have done a whole show on airports <laughs> that was hilarious uh favorite country you played in brazil spain or china brazil yeah uh, favorite food at a family reunion? Oh man, see, you, you, you play too much because I can't. You know, my mom's macaroni and cheese, you know, my aunt's fried fish. Oh, ooh. Collard mm. cheese, mm. You know, cornbread. <laughs> oh, shit. I don't eat ham anymore. Oh, interesting. I eat ham. You know, all of it, all of the above. You know, my, I come from a cooking family. Mm. You like seafood? I love it, but I ate myself into an allergy thanks, thanks, thanks to Megan Rooney at Old Dominion who was <laughs> down to Waterside and we'd sit down there eating steamed shrimp 
every single day in our, of our lives. Thank God we're not flamingos and turn pink. <laughs> Waffles, French toast, or pancakes? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Never French toast. Ooh, damn. All pancakes, but waffles are trump them any day. Ooh, okay. Waffle house? <laughs> it's that multi-waffle, you know. You go to the hotel and you can make your own waffle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so if you could name any WNBA arena, anything you'd you'd like, what would the name of the arena be? House of Goodie. Hmm. That's what I'm talking about. If you were singing in your car right now, what would you be singing? Uh, Anita Baker, probably. Wow. Man. Love Anita. You bring me joy. Man, I better not. I better not even try. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Let me edit that out or not. That's okay. You sing that thing. <laughs> sing it. Anita so wait, thinking you can sing <laughs> i can sing a little i can sing a little james taylor okay I, I don't think anybody can sing uh anita like anita maybe whitney rest in peace but yeah maybe whenever i see your smiling face i have to smile myself because i love you yes i do when you give me that pretty little pout it turns me inside out Something about you, baby, I don't know. Isn't it amazing a man like me can feel this way? Tell me how much longer it'll grow stronger every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess better James Taylor than Anita, right? All right, moving on. Next question. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so toughest player you ever played against? Teresa Edwards. Wow, man, I've been trying to get her on the show for a year. Um, favorite player to watch right now? I like Kelsey Plum. Man, has she evolved? She's tough as nails, too, man. I <laughs> love that part. She reminds me a lot of Jennifer Aiden. Yes, man, I'd love to have her on the show, too. She was, she was one of the first women that I ever remember watching, just the way that she commanded, you know, the team, you know, the way that she ran the ship. Man, I loved watching her. Um, <clears throat> drop step or up and up. wait, go ahead. I like I like how she's developed. I like her development. Right. When she was in San Antonio, she didn't have that killer. She didn't have no. that killer. You know what I mean? She she really didn't. And, and now she has it. And I think that that's what's really brought her out is that she's playing with no fear. And she has confidence that no other coach probably gave her. Yeah, and Dan Hughes talked about that when he came on the show. But, but do you think someone got a hold of her and said, do you realize that you could be one of the top players that's ever played in this league? Like, why are you holding back? Or do you think she just saw her game develop and then she just realized she was? You go into practice and you got, you got your coach is Becky Hammond. Mm. Natalie Williams is your GM. And, and, and right. Jennifer. I guess, yeah. I mean. Come on, man. Like those, those are the top. Like if I if I have to put out top play a list of top twenty five, all three of them are on my list. Yeah, but Mark Jackson coached the Warriors, and then Steve Kerr goes in there, and then he takes it to another level. So he obviously did some things differently to tweak things, like you talked about with with your coach. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, somebody you think privately just said, "Come on, man! Like you're so much better than this." Or was it just being around greatness? Be different. Yeah. I think 
situation is different. And I know that when we went in there and they brought us all the alumni in there, you know, and just giving them, just giving them the energy, man. And yeah. it's all energy. And when you're around people that really want you to succeed, and you're around people that really show you that they care about you, not just about what you do on the court, but you right. sat down viable conversation about your dog being sick right. or how your mom doing, you know, people will go through the wall for you when they know that you love and care about them. And that's the difference between, you know, one organization to the next. New York football giants or the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> Wait, are you a Cowboys fan? What, what, who, who's your team? I grew up in this area and I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Wow. I'm a football girl in my older age, but I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs because my cousin, Aiden Hughes, number 83, he played Ooh. with our Eisen. So I've been a Kansas City Chief fan for probably the last 20 years. That's amazing. Andre was on our show also, by the way. Yeah, he had some very choice words for certain people, but we edited it out because of him trying to get into the hall, and we may release that later. But he he said some very interesting things. Go Sparty! Wait, Yankee. Go ahead. You say stuff, and then people, you know, hold it against you. Like one day I'm going in the Hall of Fame, whether nobody says it or not. You know, hey, he he asked me, so I just respected his wishes. Do you have any tattoos? Uh, yeah. I do. I have a cat. I have a, I have a, t- a tiger going down my calf. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let's go. Wait, favorite, favorite mama joke. My favorite mama joke? No, I got, I got two for you here. Wait, hold on a second. You can, then you can tell me yours. Your mom is so dumb. She went to the dentist to get a Bluetooth. <laughs> or your mom is so dumb she put airbags around her computer in case it crashed <laughs> your um, mouth is on the back of her neck and she talks like this <laughs> oh i got a bunch of them let's not go there uh so if you could have anyone play you in a real life movie what person would you want to play you in the movie and what would be the name of the movie oh my gosh Oh my gosh, you might have had to send this question. I know, I should have sent it earlier. I guess if there's a movie and I want somebody to play me, you might have to trim her up a little bit, maybe put high heels on her, but I say Queen Latifah, you know, straight out of Let's go. You're going to have to act because it's already in her. Right. Love Queen Latifah. Uh, What scares you the most? I don't know, not having my mom. Hmm. Wow. Great answer. Would you rather snuggle with a polar bear or a penguin? Polar bear. It's going to smell like fish. <laughs> All right. Last question. If you could have any five people at your dinner table, past or present, dead or alive, but you've never met them before. The first one, I, I get, and it might sound weird, but I, Ben Franklin. Wow. Really? Ben Franklin. Man, I haven't had that answer before. George Washington Carver. Oh, wow. Madam C. Walker. Not Jesus? I'll see him later. Okay, not at dinner. <laughs> not at dinner. Two more. I'll say Maya Angelou. Mm, another popular answer, yep, amazing. 
and Wilma Rudolph. Wow. Those are probably five of the greatest answers we've had because we get the usuals, you know, the Obamas and, you know. Um, okay, well, anything else before, you know, uh, this collaborative effort um, ends today? Amazing conversation. Uh, you know, one thing that I usually talk about on here that I want to ask your opinion of before we go, if you have a second, is, and if you have anything in the background, you want to tell everybody what, what's in your background for people that are just listening and, and not actually watching on YouTube. I'm very critical of white professional athletes that do not use their platform uh, to be allies. Andre Risen, who you mentioned earlier, said Tom Brady has made a lot of black people rich. He's handed it off to a lot of black people. He's thrown to a lot of black people and had a lot of black people block for him. And he's won a lot of rings, which helps a lot of black people. And, um, and I include not just Tom Brady, but Aaron Rodgers and Tony Romo and Eli Manning and Peyton Manning and, and, all, all of these white quarterbacks who can leverage their platform to be better allies. And some people don't care in the black and brown community and others are just as irritated as I am. And I had Drew Henson on the show who played with Tom Brady at Michigan. And he's like, you know what? You're the only person that's ever asked me that question except my wife. Why Tom doesn't do more in the space of Black Lives Matter, not the actual organization necessarily, but being an ally after Colin Kaepernick, after George Floyd, and after the countless black men, mostly, uh, Breonna Taylor, there's women as well, who have been profiled, murdered, uh, illegally searched, et cetera. And is, is this something you care about? Or am I, am I way off base when I talk about this and go off? You know, I had Ryan Howard, Jock Jones on, Bob Nightingale on recently and lost my goddamn mind about this shit again, because I can't for the life of me understand how it's just business as usual still in 2022. I have to agree with you. Um, you know, I said, I, there's a lot of, uh, as a matter of fact, you, you introduced me as a contributing writer for Just Women's Sports. And I think they do more. Um, they've had plenty of opportunity to do more for me. Um, I actually brought a lot, uh, shed a lot of light on their, on their platform. Have a lot of people going to their platform from all of my different social media networks, and I was put on the show. Okay, some of the things that I wrote taking a long time to come out. I would see it in other people's, in other people's stories. My my podcast. It was pitched to them to pick my podcast up, to just put it out there, you know, show some of my content. Every single thing was shelved. So you haven't seen anything from me being written. I took all of my stuff down that said that I was writing for them, except for in a couple of different places, because I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's cool that, you know, you tell the world that I'm a contributing writer, but you don't do anything to try to help me become better, mm. try to put it out there, or give me more, okay? Pay me the bare minimum. When I see the other WNBA players that you're affiliated with, that you probably pay a thousand. So um, for me, it's about disassociating myself with those people who want to ride, but they don't want to die. Right. Okay, ride or die. You know, those are the type of people that I want around me. I had a lot of people that just ride and ride and ride and ride and ride and 
So now WNBA state of mind is so low. So, you know, I don't appreciate it and I see it all of the time and I'm a victim of it a lot, you know? So I concur, I agree with you 100% that it needs to stop. It bothered me dearly to see Eli and Peyton Manning bashing an African-American quarterback, Eli, you got a lot to say because you're pissed that Denver didn't bring you there. So you want to smoke them? How much did we put up with your madness here with your whining crybaby behind? That's all we saw in New York from you. You won one championship. You think you get the opportunity to run your mouth? Yeah, it was two, but yeah. Go ahead. About an African-American quarterback? Why are you so jealous? You know? And even to podcasts and people that I've tried to collaborate with, that won't answer back, JJ Ready, you understand? So it's like those people are out there, they got a lot of followers, so they get away with a whole bunch of mess. But you know what? Telling people about themselves, okay, is trending. Yeah, I appreciate your sentiments. JJ Reddick is that one's confusing because he seems to be an ally. What what was the deal? What you <coughs> maybe, maybe, excuse me, maybe it's for guys. Maybe it's for guys, you know, maybe, you know, and I, I think that because I'm so educated in basketball, I can sit in a room full of men and tell them everything that they think they know about basketball, because you really don't know, because women play under the rim. We don't play above the rim. So we're more conscious and aware of what's going on down below, okay? And there's been countless people and I'm not going to just be throwing names out there that I've reached out to say, hey, listen, let's come on. Let me come on your show. Let's go. Let's chop it up and go back and forth. I love to be on Stephen A's show. Love to go back and forth with him. Man, the world is crazy. People get to a high place. You got everything. And you still jealous of the ones that are down here? The ones that are trying? You know, but we can go on and on. We can go on and on. I mean, yeah, I mean, Colette Smith's a good friend, and she talked about that also, you know. Um, and, you know, there there are others, you know, look what happened to Jamel Hill. And she took, th- she took things, you know, to her own platform, same sort of what you're doing, uh, but she had ESPN. And, but you guys are almost identical in that way. I see you guys very similar, except, you know, you have even more leverage, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm glad you could see that leverage, but I need everybody else to. Right. Well, and that's why I always bring it up because it's frustrating to me that uh, I don't understand why even one tenth of what I do, these guys aren't doing. Like, I just don't understand it. Like, it's not even hard to speak out now. Like, it's literally not. Like, you don't have as, I mean, look what happened to, I mean, we could go on and on, right? But like you said, but Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, who were trying to get on the show, uh, but we have to wait until Stan comes out in 2023, his story about being whiteballed by the NBA, Craig Hodges. I mean, how, you know, there's so many people that have, you know, have been whiteballed and blackballed and it's not even hard to speak out now. It's encouraged, you know, with the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, the weight room situation in one day it's fixed like this just wouldn't have happened before. Yeah. So what is the hesitation of reservation now? I don't understand it. Like it's just, it's just, so I would just encourage you to, to keep going down whatever path that you're going down and keep speaking about it, uh, you know, in a, in a direct but thoughtful way that educates people 
because you know nobody likes to have things rammed down their throat because then it's like it's a it's a turnoff right so you got to find that that sort of balance but people that are on the extreme aren't going to listen anyway we're trying to reach the people that are here in the middle that are not apathetic that understand that white privilege might exist and to try and leverage their platforms to be a voice for those that are marginalized oh yeah it's everywhere man it's everywhere you know and that's why i i love being around kids because yeah. you know they're you know they're at that age where their mind is open to anything and this new these new kids these new generation they're gonna just beat up everything that we did they really are they're gonna put to bed a lot of this stuff that we continue to carry from generation to generation to generation all these generational curses and these ways of thinking traditional curses that are in your family that are that are that are in your friends family you know and in our minds and in our hearts and until we until we you know it's one thing to take a shower every day you know you can't come up you know it's, it's not so much the outside of your body it's your inner side it's your inside your spirit your soul that needs to be cleansed Oh, amazing stuff. Anything else that you want to share with uh, the world for both of our both of our worlds? A WNBA state of mind and the sports deli. We out. Much love. Talk soon. Boy, I'll talk to you soon. You got it, man. That was some powerful <laughs> shit right there, y'all. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. And if you're looking for some more content, you got your wish. Here are today's outtakes. What's up, coach? For the 7,345th time, ladies and gentlemen, we're having technical difficulties here in the sports deli. <laughs> Take two, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, what's up, coach? <laughs> what's your baby boy? Hang on. Let me, I just took my uh, bandana off and my hair looked crazy. Let me. Uh, hey, we, we, we love it. It's all good. All right. For those of you that were watching the Michigan-Iowa game and now joining us here in the sports deli. Hail, hail. It's hot. There's too many things. <laughs> Coach. <laughs> You've done this rodeo before. You know how, you know how this works. There it is. Look at that. I love it. I took a hot shower. You know how you take the shower so hot that you just can't stop? Uh, yeah, it feels good. Sweating like a sieve. <laughs> um, I love it. So how's everything going? We finally, we finally. Man. Home. Yeah, this is yeah I, my sincerest apologies. It's, uh, and I, it. I, I, I invited Val Whiting to come on today, but she's busy. Oh, Val. <laughs> Val to her little self, yo. Yeah, Val, Val and I have become good friends. So I'm going to put this up because they're full of shit. Um, It's not until we all win. It's, it's not. It's until you guys win. And, and, and that's, the, that's the sad part. I'm going to put this right up here. Facts. Uh, can you see that? Yep. Well, I got another story. So I'm trying to get Kim uh, on the show also. KYM Kim. So she agreed former WNBA player right and so I get an email from someone from Nike that says her schedule precludes her from coming on the podcast excuse me 
What do you mean her schedule precludes a former WNBA player, a black woman on her own time from coming on the podcast? What do you mean her schedule precludes her? Why can't she come on the podcast at, on her own time? So I asked some other friends of mine at Nike whose name remain nameless at this point in time and some other people at Nike who I won't say who they are. And I asked them about it. And they said, well, I asked the VP and they said, well, right now, you know, certain people, I'm like, how are you able to go on all these other podcasts? But some people at Nike can't go on other podcasts. Like, I don't understand what, why, because I'm not ESPN because why, how are you going to tell a black woman, a former WNBA player that she can't come on a podcast because she works at Nike. I lost my mind on one of my posts on social media. I'm like, I, I didn't, I don't get it. Like what, what do you mean? Her schedule precludes her. What does that mean? Till we all win, baby. Till we all win is right. Like literally ridiculous. Like Kim Hampton can't come on my podcast because she works at Nike. Are you freaking serious? Well, that's a interesting way to start the show today, coach. So I have a formal intro and then uh, if that's okay with you, because I always like to show love in the beginning and, um, and then we'll, we'll chop it up. Is that cool? Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. You know, with players, doing that with my players. Like, you have to see yourself. If you don't see yourself, there's no way you can... Right. Yeah, you got to watch film, man. I tell the kids, and these parents complain, not like in a terrible way, but I'm like, if you don't film the games, I can't watch it with you. You can't learn about how to be a better version of yourself. Like, you, you're crying over the wrong things because you missed a couple threes. Like, what? Absolutely. That's not what I'm upset about. I'm upset about the fact that you weren't speaking. You weren't trying to be a better leader. You didn't counter properly. You crossed over in front of another player who was a foot away from you instead of going behind your back, right? You, you didn't look opposite. Like, what? You're not focusing on the right things. No, you beat the player, and then you drag it back. <laughs> right, for no reason. Beat the player, and then you dragged it back to where he was. Right. What are you doing? Because it looks good. Because you make, yeah, you making, you're doing all of this prolific stuff. And you don't know why. You're using a whole lot of counters. Why? Kyrie, like, stop. You dribble too much. Right. You dribble too much. Basketball wasn't meant for people to be dribbling around. The object of the game is to get it in the basket. Absolutely. Come sit next to Andre. Right. I'm not watching it, man. I'm not watching that. The team, we got 24 seconds, and you dribbled 15 seconds of the air. Right. And then when you don't have an option, you give it to somebody who, when they only got five seconds to make something right. happen, get out of here. Yeah, that James Harden stuff, I can't stand it. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And these people are legendary. Great. He's a great scorer. Meanwhile, he can't hit a three when it's clutch time, and he can't lead his team out of a paper bag. Yeah, these players are different, man. They're giving people GOAT status. Like, oh, he's a GOAT. What? He's 10. He's a GOAT, huh? GOAT cheese. You better get out of here. <laughs> yeah, GOAT cheese. Get out of my face, man. What you got up for the rest of the weekend? Actually, I got another show coming up. Oh, shit. Top it up with my dude, Tippy OG. We're gonna go, we're gonna get at it. We're gonna get after it, you know, the Knicks and the Nets. Oh, damn. We're gonna we're gonna argue. Well, you can you go, yeah. I did a, I put a video up about Stephen A's reaction about the Knicks. <laughs> Man, that's phenomenal. He's a trip. 
Kyrie probably won't talk no more after. That's all right. Stephen A's got some interesting takes, that's for sure. I can't say I don't really agree with Stephen A a lot of times because he just yells and acts stupid so much. Yeah. Just waiting for it. Yeah. Wait for it. Yeah. So it is what it is. Um, I've, like I said, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, go ahead. I got, uh, you're going to be sending me a link in a minute. Go ahead. See, there you go. We, we, get, we get into the, the popcorn part of the show. And that's when I find out that your dad was white. Holy shit. I can't wait to see the show. For show. show. Talk soon. All right. Have a great weekend. Much love. And I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. Boy, that was phenomenal. Great job and much love to everyone. Remember, Black Lives Matter. Stop the bullying. Stop the Asian hate. Contact your local and state politicians for any inequalities for any individual or any group that's being marginalized. Also, everyone, we want to raise awareness for those individuals that are currently imprisoned for nonviolent offenses, in particular those with long-term sentences that are disproportionate in particular to those people in the black and brown community. And I want to send a shout out to 40tons.co. 40 Tons is a socially conscious cannabis brand and they're a social enterprise using the regulated cannabis industry to fight injustice, in particular for cannabis prisoners. So check them out again at 